Their goal is to bring you a podcast that sounds more like everyone else than anyone else. We need to accept the fact that we are like every other podcast. We want to be special, but we're not quite there yet. It's the Zenial Odyssey Podcast with Remy and Bobby Rocks. Hey everybody, welcome back as always. Welcome back to the Odyssey, it's Bobby and you and me. That was pretty good. Can you clip that? I can clip whatever the fuck we want to clip. <laughs> We're clipping it. You've heard the other podcasts and now you're hearing this bullshit. Yeah. It's not that different. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. We have more podcasts that sound like everyone else than anyone else. Guess what we look like? White, you're right. Beard, <laughs> you're right. Balding, you're right. Tits we're ashamed of, you're right. All right, now that we got that out of our system, all right, why don't we get down to brass tacks? I'm going to give everyone a little background here. So first and foremost, thank you to everybody. It is Today is June 26th, and on June 25th, essentially a month after we launched the podcast, we hit 100 downloads for the month. And now you guys got to understand, like that might sound cute in a world of like Joe Rogan's and shit. What you have to understand, first of all, we're not doing, we're not promoting this. Thing. No. And I got to give Bobby, I got to take a moment. Sorry, Bobby. You got to sit on your throne for a minute and take this. But you know that Bob had hit me up and was like, blah, blah, let's do this. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. But like you guys can't even fathom the amount of work this dude has put into this. Every piece of equipment, Bobby snagged, the editing. Like, he's just, he's Oz, and I'm one of the lollipop kids who pops in and is like, hey, I'm here to entertain too. But Bob just fucking, man, he took this thing on. And so 100 doesn't sound like much to you. And like, you know, I've had sites that have had millions of hits, and this is monumental to me still. And the reason is, is because we're just making it. Yeah. We're yeah. just making it and letting people find mm-hmm. it. And we're, we're still in the phase of fucking around and finding out. 100%. Yep. And so like... The fact, like, I think me and Bob had retired to the fact that we have five listeners for two years, and we both agreed that we were a hundred percent good with it, and that we were going to do the best show those five people have heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact that it's organically grown to a hundred is awesome, and and it tells me that there's a potential for this thing. You know, that hundred becomes five hundred. That five hundred becomes a thousand. They're little steps, but it's like the fact that you guys. I'm taking the time out. We thank you so much. But I personally thank Bobby so much because. Oh, you're welcome. Rob. Bro. Ma- and you're like mastering the, all the production, all the recording. So this has been an honor, guys. So the hundred of you, honestly, if me and Bobby had money, we'd probably like buy you all an ice cream cone. So the other reason I bring that up is because one other thing that happened is we started getting followers, which we talked about. First off, first and foremost, shout out to Jamie Stu. Jay he was Stu. the first follower. And then uh, soon to be guest, by the way, that's yes, all we're going to say. Yes, yes. But Jamie Stu, yeah, Teaser. that's going to be fun. Um, he's got some stuff, just moved into a new house, so he's got to take care of some stuff. But yeah, we've, we've name dropped him a few times. He didn't listen knowing that I was going to be like, come on the show. Yeah. We both know him. We worked with him. But he's a really cool, interesting, intense dude. Off of that point, last week, I did start to post episodes on YouTube and I created a page, which to the 59 people on my friend's feed that have already liked it, like I appreciate you guys 100% even more. I mean, yeah. those are people that I know in some way, shape, or form in my life. And I again, I can't thank you guys enough. And that's so what it led to is what I want to talk about before we get into this topic. Yeah, yeah. One of you, Jared Burrell, 
class of 2001 with me, East Bridgewater High School. What's up? He, uh, you reached out to me and to tell me how much you appreciated this, and and you gave feedback on how I I did episodes out of order. I admit, I admit that. Yeah. So continuity's thrown off. That's <laughs> rookie mistake. Oh, look, we're still you know, learning. Yeah. Um, to me, the crowning achievement of that fuckery is definitely the re- interview with Remy episode where I forgot to take off the music track after I was done using it. So it's like four minutes in, and then all of a sudden, just you hear the music again. It's like, what the fuck? Are we starting it over again? Like, what, what's yeah, going on? You know what? Like you said, sticky period, man. So anyway, Jared hit me up. He emailed me, and we had some correspondence back and forth. And during that, he actually shared a link to a digital book that that he thought was aligned with things that we're talking about. The millennial. Yeah. Yeah. And... He said, hey, you know, it was more of a, if you just, if you're interested or you all that, the things I'm trying to say, what Remy was alluding to and why I brought up the pages and all that and bringing people onto the show that listen is I view this as being a extremely interactive experience beyond the on air time. I, what I mean by that is it's our voices. Yeah. But we're only two voices of the many. And I would love, I mean, yeah, utopian, everybody gets a fair shake and we all just come to some common ground understanding on everything you could imagine. I'm genuinely, the thing I'm looking forward to most in that aspect is having people on who disagree with us. Yes, yes. And listen, if you think your show's going to turn into Howard Stern or Morton Downey Jr., no, it's not. I want them on to present points that may assist in everyone's viewpoint of a subject. So, you know, we don't have to like a guest's stance, but we want to give them But a you're microphone. still going to get your forum. Yeah, and you're not going to yep. get belittled. You're not going to come yep. on the show and then me and Bobby are going to attack you. Yeah. Um, I'm not just bullshitting when I say this is a safe space. It yeah, is no, a safe space. Legitimately. We're going to yeah. talk about everything and we're going to do it in a way that's respectful and, and in- inclusive, you know? Yeah. So anyway, the digital book recommended for me was called Generation Y, The New Lost Generation. Is it a Y with the letter or the question, the, the word Y? It's the, it's the letter. Okay. For people who don't know, and, and I, this is something that has dumbfounded me, is that when I was a teenager, we were Generation Y. And then at some point, it turned to millennials, and then it turned into the micro generations and all that. Yeah, a la carte stuff. I did sit there and go, well, I wonder why we went away from Generation Y. Like, why did it stop? Why did why we stop not? doing that? Anywho, this book is by three authors. Brian Newmeyer, David V. Stewart. J.D. JD Cowan. Cowan. And for anyone who is into high fantasy and fantasy fiction, these are uh, best-selling authors. They basically wrote this book over five years. This book contains a lot of research. This book contains a ton, and I will admit, to me, it took away from the book, but they all, they wrote short stories, like about 50 pages of short stories. I tried my best to read them, but that wasn't the reason I wanted to read the book itself. So I skipped that stuff, and I just stuck to the bare bones, the themes they were bringing up. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about where we personally agreed with what they said and don't agree with. And And I'm going to try to sort of represent the other side on these. So Yeah, and where we go where we go from here because they did they said that too at the end of the book it's like hey look this is where it is if you don't agree with what we're talking about it's not set in stone do you have um, a, a link or something you can offer to people to to read this or yeah I what I what I planned on doing is I planned on uh, sharing this on the page there you go I planned on sharing this on the XOP page and Podbean. I planned on sharing it on the Facebook page. And again, if anyone wanted to reach out for it, I can forward it to yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I just wanted to let you guys know. Yeah, so that's where we're going. That's where we're going to jump off. We'll take a break as always. We'll play some song, eh, songs being one. And then we'll come back and we'll dive in. Okay, all right. Hi, bye. We'll see you soon. <laughs> My smoothest transition yet. It's all about smooth. It's all jiffy smooth on right, the XOP. Right, we do chunky peanut butter here. 
All right, so let's jump into this digital yeah. book. By the way, they did not release this in hard print. They were going to, and they did a introduction. So wait, I uh, want to make a point too about this. Okay. I'm going to make a little prediction here. Okay. We're early in the game, but we're going to start shooting out invites at some point. Um, I would not say that it would be impossible for us to maybe talk to these people directly. Um, oh, 100%. You know, yeah. they seem reachable and, you know, some really interesting points. We have some counterpoints. So maybe at some point down the road, we'll be able to sit down with these guys directly, which would be awesome. Or even if we got to do a Skype with one or two of them. So I just want to put that out there. We would really like to just pick, you just said it, pick your brains. So listen, I know the three guys are hearing this because we're going to send it to you. So um, whether you want it or not, whether you want it or not. So really interesting read, really easy to digest. And yeah, we'd love to talk to you guys. Are we huge right now? No, but we will be. But um, the invite's out there, honestly. We just want to put that out there, man. Yeah, so they uh, they do a great job organizing it. And their table of contents breaks it down very well. The first chapter is basically defining Generation Y. And they just, in my opinion, they eviscerate the millennial term. They eviscerate zennials and all that. I don't have a problem with that. Because I even, I even say that I poke fun at all of these names as a participation trophy. Yeah. For people who are pissed off to being called millennials or whatever. Uh, well, why don't you, real quick, for the people who might not be as acclimated... Tell the people the the Jennies. You have them written down, all the different generations. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they just, just they, start, guys. They, they did that too. Would you like me to list what they listed, or would you like me to list what is a shared, agreed upon by the masses? Start with them so we can voice them, and then we'll okay. talk about the, uh, the median. Yeah, vote. I can do that. Yeah, so they broke down every single generation that was born in the 20th century, mm -hmm. and they basically said there were 10. Some of them were born before then, but also they became of age in the 20th century. So you're either born or you came of age. In but the you're 20th a part century. of the 20th that century. That makes you a part of a generation in the 20th century. The first one is the lost generation. If you wanted me to summarize what kind of identifies you as being in the lost generation, yeah, World War I, the Great Depression. And is, are those two things um, the basis for the name? Is that why it's the lost generation? Uh, World War I, yes. Okay. And the Depression, yes. So what, it, what they mean by the lost generation is they were lost in a world post-World War yeah, One and the Depression. Industrial. They were like in a malaise. And what I mean by a malaise, for anyone who doesn't understand what I mean by that, is you've just gone through World War One. For people, uh, Okay, let's back up, do a little history thing. World War One introduced chemical warfare. It introduced war on a level that had never been seen before. Nuclear. And terrors, that's World War Two. <laughs> I just mean like World War World War One, 1914 to 1919. Like, okay. But it also coincided with a pandemic, the Spanish flu. God, Bobby, you turned me on. I know. So you have all of this stuff and they come back to a world. It's part, not. Yeah, they weren't part not, of it. And it's not the same world that they left. No. And it's like, where do you find your place? If I had to, for me personally, and I believe for you, you two, Rem, this would be like our great grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. Who I know, by the way, and unfortunately, very little about my own family. Right. Me too. Me too. The next generation is the greatest generation. <laughs> I got to give my theory when you're done on this. Which one. is not boomers, by the way. It's its own separate generation. This would be our grandparents. Yeah. And this generation really came of age when we started to have that boom, like um, FDR's New Deal, mm -hmm. World War II, post-World War II, where the United States became the superpower of the world. Yeah. 
like so this is why the greatest generation maybe that's why they got their name i'm not entirely sure i I laugh at the name i was saying this to bobby in the car is it's like you know every generation feels like they have a name that sums them up but that's derogatory a little bit and then the greatest generation just they all looked at each other and said you know what and so these people came back from the war isn't the great is is the greatest before the golden or the greatest in golden the same greatest in the golden are the same okay so people don't know you might hear it as the golden generation so these people came back from world war ii they came back to a flourishing country in the united states and they were just a lot of them were married a lot of them were like you know what we need to start families now hence their children the baby boomer generation which literally they got their name because i think the united states population literally like they just fucked like monkeys yeah like it just but uh, the population itself i think at its peak the baby boomer was around 80 million people yeah which is back then is unheard of like our generation isn't even 80 million people but yeah it's a huge demographic you know baby boomers came of they came they're from the early 40s to the late 50s early 60s there are parents there, there are, are there are parents, parents yeah. there are know? parents they had the counterculture revolution vietnam the assassination of jfk and rfk MLK. and yeah, mlk yeah. a lot of initials to malcolm like, x yeah and you know like what's what's interesting about the boomers is do a really thorough episode, actually, on, on boomers and our thoughts about boomers. So yes. if you guys are interested, you can you can dig through the back. And then the children of the boomers. Well, wait, something. I'm sorry. I meant to say this. But for me, the defining trait of boomers is from hippies to yuppies. Yeah. So then the children of baby boomers, Gen X. Yeah. So for people who are wondering for me, my sister is Gen X. My brother and I are not. Uh, Remy's Gen X. Remy, by pure definition, Remy mm-hmm. is Gen X. His siblings are Gen X. And then post them is the generation that I'm talking about here. Then came Generation Y. That's the generation I'm a part of. My brother's a part of. Technically, we're, we're talking to, but I, I find wiggle room either way. It's a little pocket, yeah. though. This is where they start to get... This is where the authors start to differ, though, because they define Gen Y as 1979 to 1989. So if you're born in those 10-year periods, you're Gen Y. And then millennials are their own generation right after from it. 1990 to 2000. Yeah. And Gen Z is 2001 to 2011, blah, blah, blah. They got so lazy, right? Like X, Y, Z. Yeah. Where are they going to go yeah. now? Oh, Generation Alpha. I think... I'm pretty sure that's what kids born in the last 10 years... That's gross. Are, yeah, considered. And does that mean the next generation is going to be Generation Beta? Beta. And then the <laughs> third one's generation cock yeah and then a doodle do or whatever this is the first area where i i take a little bit of it issue with the authors here so it is agreed upon in multiple countries around the world in multiple societies there are so many people scientifically or social psychologically that say a generation is roughly 15 to 20 year periods that's why i don't get why so that's what so the gen y no gen gen y is roughly like 1981 to 1996 or it's 1981 to 2001 that's that's gen y i would say and and i would say like one reason why i bring up the zenial is because is it official no but it does speak to something that exists in every single generation there's the older generation and there's a younger part of the generation there's a bridge and they are the same generation but they have different experiences so there's no problem with calling if you want like yeah if the term is gen y i'm fine with us being gen y but millennials are a part of that we're not different and it's kind of like it kind of to me reinforces like what i feel we're trying to to do the opposite of we're we're trying to bring people together and part of that is even if you're not a part of the generation it's about understanding so question just to get get off the rails for a minute what do you consider to be the defining trait of let's say x y and z what is their defining trait because i think for my opinion the defining trait for x was pathos i think that we us anyone you know who can relate to it 
We saw that we we were the generation that finally saw the ideals of the last generation literally disintegrate in front of our eyes. And so I think that if you look back to the 90s, it was a time of struggle and pathos. Like, think about the music. Think about rock music and where it was. It was, you know, the Seattle, I hate to say it, but the grunge sound, as cliche as it is, that's what it was. And it was all, come on, man, looking back now when I listen to it, it's like, oh my God, every one of these songs is about wanting to die. Then I wondered why I wanted to die for 20 years after I was Mm -hmm. breastfed on this shit. Even the hip hop, you can go from, you know, the sadness and angst of grunge to rage and anger. I was going to summarize everything you said by saying, to me, the defining characteristic or characteristics of Gen X is cynicism. Yeah. Like what you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. You know, the the curtain has been pulled back and they just see all, it's bullshit. We were the first generation, and maybe I hate saying we were the first generation, but anything who saw Oz from the get-go. We saw Oz behind the curtain and we were like, and it was interesting because don't forget that our parents who raised us were raised to shut your fucking mouth. If you have issues, if you're sad, you're Children are seen and not not heard. heard, man. So our generation suddenly, like, you know, Timothy McVeigh, things start happening in the 90s that are fucking up mm-hmm. the fabric of the life we're used to. But if we brought it up, the boomers were like, shut the fuck up and, and you, man up. You know, it's funny you bring up the 90s because I do and I don't agree with them on yeah. their, their take on the 90s. Their yeah, take, yeah, good call. Yeah, their take on the 90s is that it was the last absolute, like, boom in our economy. And so with that, like everything's booming. They didn't say this. I'm saying this. It's like a parallel to the 1950s and 60s before JFK was assassinated. Like our economy is like, it's ridiculous how much it's booming and we're the best. We feel, and we feel like the best. Back when families could afford homes. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can, hey, subprime mortgaging is an episode in and of itself. I can Bro. go on a tangent. The big short. Yeah. So they defined... Some of the characteristics they defined about Gen Y, I do and I don't agree with. I do agree that we went through a period of our own malaise. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Where we're trying to find a meaning and and, and what we feel is a meaningless world that is alien to us because it's nothing like our childhoods. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Oh, and by the way, to kind of fit it in, me and Bob were just talking about a great deal of our friends now from that generation are dead. Either suicide or drugs. Now, here's the thing. That, so, so everyone needs to know that that, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage mentality. It was real. Yep. These people mm-hmm. are dead now. No, we saw the degradation of the world. We tried to figure out our place in it. And for a lot of these people who are like, oh, I don't have one, it was drugs and it was death. So people say like exes were just edgy to be edgy and mad to be mad. No, we weren't. That, that wasn't the case at all. We wanted to be happy. We've kind of touched upon the 90s. Do you just want, do you want to go to like basically what? Yeah, 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 please do. uh, Their depiction of the 90s is to me is at the crux because let's be honest, the generation they're talking about were teenagers and young adults in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And they focused on a lot of different things about the 90s, a lot of characteristics, a lot of time stamped things that are like the definitive things of that time, which influence us. And I agree that what they spoke about needs to be a part of the conversation. But again, they pres- but, they present it like it's that is the conversation. Like it's definitive. And I, I, yeah. I think that with a book like this and with, with that kind of information, that you can tell they're coming at it with, oh, we just want to educate people. But I think that it can become antith- antithetical to what you're saying, saying that, listen, we're at the beginning, we're prefacing this, this is just our opinion, we don't set it in stone. But then you might read a section like this that very much does feel like it's set in stone. So let me give you an example. Yeah. They specifically said, I'm paraphrasing it, but they specifically said... In the 90s, we had a fundamental shift to leftist political ideologies. Okay, yeah, yes, we did. Wait, pause. 
explain that quickly. Let's use the United States, for example. We had primarily for the... the Bill Clinton was the president for the 90s. Mm-hmm. George H.W. Bush was the president for two years of, of the decade. But Bill Clinton, a Democrat, was... The Gen X president. And yeah, yeah. He, and he, he presented policies that were for liberalism. Mm-hmm. He, a, lot of, a lot of people considered him, quote unquote, like a mixture between FDR and John F. Kennedy. Yeah, there was a lot of yeah. hope in him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The hope that comes along with like a JFK, but he did things like FDR did to build the infrastructure of the con- of the country and all that. Yeah, he was a remind people don't understand too like his sort of what he gave to kids getting into college and college funds and loans and grants. I'm sorry, man. You you can argue with him as his morals as a human, but there were years as a president where you're like, "Okay, they don't talk about the reaction to it." Okay. And that's where we get into something that is definitive of the 90s to me, and that is domestic terrorism. Domestic terrorism wasn't a thing, in my opinion, in the 1980s. No, not in your opinion. I mean, unless they hit it, it just wasn't. That's fair to say. uh, And what I'm talking about specifically, and they don't even mention it, which I'm, I'm dumbfounded, because to me it is a defining thing in my lifetime. Is Oklahoma City, Timothy McVeigh. Yeah, that was that here's the thing. Timothy McVeigh was the blueprint run in my emotions for 9-11. Yeah, and he he went out and said he did it because, because. of the government's reaction at Waco, Texas, another watershed moment in my childhood, and Ruby Ridge, another one. That's two things that happened within a year. Of within, each other. Of each other. Yeah. And they mirrored each other so fucking much. Yes. And Timothy McVeigh was saying, and I'm not I'm not sympathizing with Timothy McVeigh. He killed innocent women and children who had nothing to do with it. He did it for the symbolism of it, and I'm glad you're dead. Uh, and that's all I want to give you that time of day. I'm just saying. We had the New York Times post the Unabomber's manifesto to catch him. Yeah. They also said in the ni- 1996 is the turning point year for our generation. Give a little more. All right. So the reasoning behind it was that's when Tupac died, mm. which I agree. Yeah, that's a very, oh from a pop gosh. culture standpoint. Iconic. My feeling is the 90s had four or five definitive years that you can say had defining. 92, because that's when grunge super exploded. Mm-hmm. It wasn't 90. Most of the albums came out in 91, but it wasn't until 92. Uh, we made it from 91 to 92 is what made it iconic. Yes. And also what happened on the tail end of that is Clinton gets not, uh, he gets elected president. Yeah. Then you have 1994. Kurt Cobain commits suicide. We have the second Woodstock, Woodstock 94. 94 wasn't the bad one. 99 was the bad one. 94 is the one. A lot of people don't know this. Yeah. Pretty peaceful. 94 was like a beta run, and it went great. Nobody got assault. It was peaceful. It was love. So they're like, let's do this big. And that's where you bring in corporate, and it lost it. Yeah. 1996, yes. Yes, it is. It is one of the watershed years. Yeah. Because we had the Summer Olympics were in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. There was a bombing at those Olympics. Yeah. We don't know. By the way, we don't know who it was. You skipped a huge one. 97, 98. Hold on. 93. He's looking at me and throwing numbers. It's like a lottery. No, bro. We need to discuss the L.A. riots. Oh, 90, but 92, but yes, yes. yes. If you're asking me yeah, yeah. for a watershed 90s moment, yeah. I'm sorry, man. Seeing that Rodney, played out on live TV. Live TV. Seeing Rodney King almost die. Seeing Reginald Denny almost die. And then seeing die. Reginald Denny get, re- like, just for being white in that situation was, wow. So I think that there was that Malay set early on. Did you ever watch the show A Different World? Oh, of course. Yeah, but for people who don't know, Lisa Bonet's spinoff of The Cosby Show. Her, like, her going to college. They did an episode on the LA riots. And you wouldn't think it. Dwayne Wayne sat down and spit some fucking truths. You wouldn't you wouldn't think like something like that would a show like that would do something like that. But we should. But they did. Speaking of TV shows, 
they brought up the typicals like Rocco's Modern Life. And, yeah. And they brought up, but they brought up a Canadian TV station like YTV that was for Generation Y. What was it, Degrassi? I'm sure Degrassi was on it. But that's that's one of the points when like the record stopped for me, and I'm like, I'm gonna fucking watch this station. What is it? What does this mean to me? No, that that doesn't that doesn't re- resonate with me. It, um, like, it's hard for there to be examples that you can't necessarily pluck from because it's like I have no yeah, reference point for that. Exactly, and that's the problem when books or things like this try to tell you what the definitive thing or thing is because you're always going to have assholes like me that are going to point out when it doesn't no and let's yeah. forget too it's singular it, it, it's different for every person you know what i'm saying there's no formula that set works and they did a lot of paradoxical kind of talking they talked about like our the malaise and our fatuation with nostalgia which is true oh my god yeah that's which is true. started yeah we, we we long for our childhoods but we just get stuck there. Some people do, some people don't, but they talk about that like it's a just an ever-present thing that never went away. Yeah. And at the same time, they blame the media and pop culture, but then they're just referencing the media and pop culture at the same time. Yeah, so it's like, you know, you guys, you're saying that this is the enemy of this, but then the reference is taken from that, which is, again, yeah. very like counterpoint to what you're trying to achieve. Which one? Because sometimes when there's three voices, too, it can be hard to tell which exact stand they land on. And then we get... So they, to them, the two watershed moments of our teenage and young adult years are Columbine and 9-11. I'm not taking those away. Those are watershed moments. But what I've been building up to is to say they're not the only watershed moments we can argue back and forth on like how much of a percentage they make up of like the definitive moments but they're they're not like 50 50 it's not just those two this is a great example right now if you guys are listening and can think of what a defining moment was to you that we can't reference think of please let this would be a great thing to drop us a note about because we'd like to and the psychologist in me this is where i i did actually my my emotions took over because are you ready for how they presented columbine i'm ready Two mentally ill young men went on mass murdered their schoolmates. How Columbine was addressed, handled, talked about was part of the problem. It was a perpetuator of everything that happened. So basically, let's get this straight. These kids are bullied. Now, there are plenty of red flags. I'm sorry, man. But even in my school in the 90s, some kid brought an audio videotape to like the movie class. And it was him and his buddy dressed up in guns shooting kids in the school I can't tell you that my school would have reacted, but my school would have reacted, dude. So they asked for help in sick, fucked up ways that no one listened to. And the media doing that to them shows that the teachers did that to them, shows that the students did that to them, shows that nothing was fucking learned. It's appalling. Mm Mm-hmm. Listen, man, I was bullied for a few years and I got lucky. I got big once I got to like sixth, seventh grade and I could fuck people up. So they stopped fucking with me. I know what it's like to get picked on outside, right? At recess, right? This is real shit. To get picked on outside at recess, being a fat kid or a new kid or whatever it is. And then you go inside and the teachers allow and or make jokes themselves. This is a story that my brother told me. He's in math class. This math teacher is somewhat, I mean, he at the time, he's probably in his late 30s, early 40s, but as far as teachers go. Yeah, it wasn't was, 70. Yeah, he was younger. He clearly hated the females. That's he, that age, though. And he let them know that. Oh, Jesus. Not like, hey, I hate you because no, you're a woman. but he but, just made it harder like, for them. You get a B minus. Yeah, Why? Yeah. Why? But I did the same work that they did. I'm saying you didn't. But anyway, Ugh. there was a girl in, in my grade. She was a, we, My brother was a senior. I was a freshman. He's in a class, upperclassman, and this teacher... And they're making jokes about how it, this this person was uh, short. Uh, so naturally, someone makes a reference to the effect of, they're the perfect height, it's their birthday, so they can just give us all birthday blowjobs. What? 
and the teacher is laughing. And then someone takes it a step further and says, Mr. So-and-so, you can go first. Wow. And his reaction? You kids. Of course. Yeah. Please understand that people may not know, but oh my God, cops fucking with me, racial prop. Dude, it was a lawless wasteland. Women were just getting raped and mistreated and it was crazy. You don't know that you're in a fucking smoke storm until you walk away from it and yeah. you see again. But it's like, yo, a lot of people from our generation came up ignorant because a lot of the same toxic traits from the 70s were encouraged and the 80s were just encouraged and allowed. Now, this is one thing I do agree with them is that there, school shootings existed before Columbine. They were not covered like Columbine. But I mean, listen, you got some stats about that. I that do. We didn't even talk about it. Bro, it's not there, and that's fucked. Bro, they were showing the shit. Do we realize that the games, it was like game four of the 1994 NBA Finals. New York Knicks, the largest media market in the United States, got cut off because OJ was riding in his Bronco, and he was threatening to shoot himself. He was confessing to the murder. It's crazy. That was 1994. Bro, if you guys haven't seen it, look up the chase. They didn't chase him. They all just drove 30. They, they drove behind him. They drove 30 for like an hour and a half. It was fucking insane. And he led a caravan. Yeah, and everybody's watching it like, oh, okay, well, and he's going to kill himself. People gathered on the overpasses. Cheering like, Cheering. Are you fucking Like me? it was a parade. OJ and LA riots way yep. more. Did, did I think I would go so far as to say that Columbine was the worst part of the turn of the century. And that also mingles timing wise with 9-11. So I have some stats here, like Remy said. I'm going to simplify it. In the 1990s, do you know how many school shootings there were? You don't. Trust 93. me. 93. 93 confirmed. That's a fucking... Now, let's From 1990 to 1999. So if we do the math, that means there was an average of nine a year. There was one literally 20 miles from where we are right now. Oh, yeah. And that's the other great thing. I do love hearing the people in Massachusetts saying, that would never happen here. Oh, really? Because it happened in 1992 in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. And then in 1993 in, oh, shock of all shocks, a Cushnet, Massachusetts. For those who know. A fucking sleepy town on the south coast of Massachusetts. So, like, because there was this real dialogue that started in, in, during Columbine, and this was the dialogue. This has never happened like this. Okay, it never happened like that. Yeah. But listen, man, Stephen King got brought to task in 1977 for a book he wrote called Rage because the whole book was a school shooter. On a, a on an impoverished, everyday person level like Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's a lazy way to put a buffer between us and them. Did ever, We're not like them. Did any of you, though, know that 100 school shootings in the 90s. No, because for some reason, the big shift in the 2000s was media's portrayal mm-hmm. and, and spreading of propaganda. Yep. Put it this way, the media is what fed Timothy McVeigh those images that pissed him off so much. So we need to understand that part of the machine is part of the problem. There's two things I want to kind of cover with you here. Yeah, and yeah, one yeah. of them is going to be great. But they also focused heavily on the baby boomers. They focused on baby boomer hate, who are our parents. Mm-hmm. Wait, and hate for them or hate by them? Hate for both, but hate for them, okay. primarily. This is, by the they, way, coming from two guys who did an anti-boomer episode. Yeah, so, and they talked about how they were the dominant generation of power in our, in our lives. They were, but this is where I disagree with them. They presented it as they won. They won the cultural war. And no, they didn't. Yeah, it's not that cut and dry no, at all. No, they didn't. I was telling Remy on the way up here, for anyone who remembers The Big Lebowski, one of the great lines in that movie is, the bums lost. Yeah. The bums lost, Lebowski. And one of the, uh, do you remember VH1's Behind the Music? Can we do a VH1 episode? We can, but one of the, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about it a lot, but you had people from the 60s saying to them, the 60s officially ended when McGovern lost. Yeah. When he lost to Nixon. 
Like every everything they stood for, they felt like it meant nothing. Nixon. And then and then our parents and then they came became yuppies. That was the yep. true shift. Nixon yeah, was the true yeah, shift in America. That's the true shift. And so what I'm trying to say about their take on the baby boomers, the baby boomers didn't win. They just assimilated to the dominating force, which was their parents. And listen. And the machine kept going. If they won, it's because unlike us, their parents left them with money and houses and car like it was a different society now. My, f- my fucking parents have nothing for me because the world taps. It's great. Right. It's it's very easy to be a counterculture uh, vo- voice when you're a trust fund baby. Yeah, when you have a silver spoon in your mouth, people will keep feeding you. It's yep. just that simple. So because yep. at some point when it's all over, you can go back to college or you can go back and work for the family. I will say this, you know, pre Nixon. It didn't feel as divisive. It didn't no. feel like the two parties were literally separated by a wall of napalm. No. It felt like there were options. But it was Nixon really came in and cemented and said, listen, all those people are druggies. They're all having gay orgies. Like, this is shit he said. Remy referencing the fact that the war on drugs started during his 100%. administration. And the war on drugs was a propaganda war to fucking profile blacks, Mexicans, Latinos. It was. It had nothing to do with drugs. I mean, it... We've gotten way off. The last topic I wanted to talk about, because to, this one just made me go, what the fuck? Yeah. So they, they boiled things down to like oh, a, yeah. a definitive movie for Generation Y. It covers everything. Like, it, they, were, like they were trying to tie up the book in a nice bow. Listen, we with know this movie. how hard this is. I write yes. lists and shit. It's hard to pick. Oh, um, um, here's a, he, okay. And that movie was 1995's Clueless. Clueless. Now, right off the bat, let me be the naysayer. Fun movie. I discovered Paul Rudd in that film. We all did. Um, but to me, not... Uh, listen, we're East Coasters. It's cold. We're angry. The life represented in Clueless was not representative of us at all. And I did not connect with the movie on that level. I think even better than that. I mean, bro, right away I'd say, listen... Well, don't, about, go, don't go into that because I have a list of movies and we're going to say like what would be more of a definitive movie, Clueless uh, yeah. or this movie. Well, I have one you didn't mention that I want to start I, off. I hate that. No, that's perfectly fine. But my first thought was even this movie that people like movie Z that these people aren't talking about, it to me is more of a representation of my generation than Clueless. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So do you want to play the game? Yeah. Well, I'm going to okay. start. I didn't think of this one in the car, but right away, if you're telling me to pick... Just for how they hit me, Can't Hardly Wait was a remarkable yes. film for me. Yes. Also, and I didn't think about this in the car, huge. I would say the defining, if I had to. You ready for this? Yep. Reality Bites. Yeah. Yeah. Some could argue it's a gen, I would argue it's a hybrid movie. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's equally Gen X and it's Gen on the, Y. Well, it's on the line that we yeah. are. Exactly. Yeah. Such a good cast. But all right, yeah. your turn, your turn. No, you're right. But okay, so if we start with those two, Can't Hardly Wait. Which was one on the list, by the way? Bro. Are you, putting, are you putting that above on the same level as Clueless or Beneath? Oh, it's way above Clueless. Okay, and I, I agree with that. That movie had me like grabbing my heart and just being like, oh my God. It just, and it, they did the things that movies didn't do. They had the, I hate to say it, but they had the wiggers in it. You know what I mean? Like Seth Green. That's his best performance. Him just being like a wicked, like him being a five foot tall guy driving like a seventeen foot suburban, and yeah, and just yeah. playing hard the whole time, yeah. but then gets that veneer by the end. But yeah, for me, there's not even a competition. Yeah, uh, they're gonna be some on this list, but I, I think they're coming of age movies. Yeah, they're movies I, I personally identify with. Let me start because I don't want to go in the same order because this movie, I, this movies I want to save towards the end. How about a Bronx Tale? 
I mean, it's a great film, but I don't. Not a bunch of people. What they're trying to say is a transformative. And to me, Bronx Tale was just the evolution of Taxi Driver and Goodfellas. So where are we putting it? Not on the list, or no, be, no, or no. I think I think if anything, we could put it at least for my own terms. I think equal. Okay, all right, all right, and I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Here's one that I purposely didn't bring up with you. Are you ready for this one? Oh shit! What's eating Gilbert Grape? Uh, I mean, but again, we it's okay. What the fuck do you mean defining guys? Because yeah, okay. We, well, these are movies I picked. These aren't movies they picked. But what I'm saying, even to you, what what is generation defining mean? To well, if they if they went out, this is this is where I I will go with it. If they they presented it as where. We're a nostalgic generation stuck in a malaise, like stuck in stuck in neutral, and we yeah. don't have any direction. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. That's Gilbert and, and Grape. You know what, though, and honestly, for a lot of us, that was the uh, introduction to Leonardo DiCaprio. Awesome role. Awesome role. <laughs> you can tell by the way, Bobby's the noises he just made that he agreed. awesome role. Yeah, yeah um, amazing. I'm surprised they didn't bring up this one because they went the pop culture role, American Beauty. Yeah, that to me. Yeah. Uh, American Beauty, unfortunately, I can't hold it in the same regard now that I Kevin see Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have trouble separating the art. You And Bob already knows which one I like. The main, We both agree. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah, already yeah, done yeah. an episode about it, yeah. so spoiler yeah. tease. All right, so you want another one? Yes. Empire Records. Yeah, way higher. Yeah. Um, that And that, to me, Empire Records and Can Hardly Wait feel like extensions of each other because they're some of the same cast, yep. and it's like Empire Records is them at work, and then Can Hardly Wait is after work. Rushmore. Not defining for me. Ooh. Yeah, not defining for me. I, I mean, I love it. I love Anderson, but when I think 90s movies, that never pops into my head. Varsity Blues. Yes. <laughs> Varsity Blues, way more iconic to me than Clueless. Yeah. Dude, there were kids who laid in the highway because of that movie and got their arms run over because mm-hmm. they do a weird highway lay down in that film. What about uh, American Pie? Yeah, because American Pie was our generation's Porky's. How about this? The people Bro, don't go talk back about. to that reference I just made. <laughs> Porky's? American Pie was the '90s well, so it, Porky's. It was also the '90s Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Exactly. It, was, it was our yeah. iconic raunchy. Now here's yeah. the thing: you watch that uh, wait, 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 wait. You watch yeah. that movie again, and people get sexually assaulted. Well, I mean, personally, I, I see like American Pie as the as a movie, a good example of a movie that has not aged well. Mm-mm. No, not at all. We're gonna do an episode of movies that haven't yeah. aged well. Here's ooh, here's one that nobody talks about, all but right. you know me, I love the obscure deep cuts, kids. Oh, way more. I'm sorry. Kids was, for me, Kids was the most realistic portrayal of kids. And that's what the movie was supposed to be. But I had skateboarding friends. I had dudes who always got in fights. You had those grimy friends who, I'm sorry, probably had friends who were raping people and you didn't know it. It's not like they left from raping someone and told you when you met up to smoke or nothing. Kids for me is, ooh, bro. Ooh. Boys in the Hood. Yes. Yes. I think, but but also I think we had to be careful because Boys in the Hood was the beginning of the exploitation, the, the black exploitation 2.0. 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. Again, if you ask me clueless or 10 things, which one was more yep. the iconic high school movie? Yep. Plus the introduction to Heath Ledger. Dazed and confused. Okay. Listen, man, me and Bobby had a discussion about terrible stoner movies on the way here and how they're all fucking, they make the people seem like they're on acid and they're morons. Dude, Dazed and Confused is a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> the cast. It's just so good, my dude. Yeah, yeah. Check you later. Check you later. Oh, so many people you can watch that movie and be like, I didn't even know he was Why in. didn't, by the way, that guy I just referenced, why doesn't that guy have a bigger acting career? Why didn't his, that guy was awesome Maybe in that someone movie. tried to diddle him. It was, oh. a, it was a movie full of high school kids, bro. What do you think? Oh, man. And like, oh, this, he, to me, he steals the show in the movie. Yeah, there's characters yeah. in that film that are just, 
Like when he's like talking to the teacher and he's got like, you know, Janie, I'm going to be a senior next year. And like, you know, we could, and she just like feels his head and walks away. Genius move. Genius. Oh my God. Genre defining for me, generation defining singles by Cameron Crowe. Great movie. Great movie where Chris, Chris, uh, why? Oh my God. Cornell. Thank you. Yeah. Don't ever fuck that name up in front of me. Dude, he's play. First off. Arguably the greatest singer in, in hard oh, rock yeah. in hard rock history. I will tell people right now, up th- right up there with like Robert Plant, oh. right up there with any, you know. And what does he do in that movie? I'm gonna be a drummer, <laughs> like because he could, which, which, yeah, which he could. What about like when it was fucking like Eddie Vedder and him and I forget who else, but they were watching the nature documentary of the bees fucking all high, yeah, yeah, yeah. like turning their heads sideways. But for me, that was musicians dating, casual, not serious drug use. That moved yep. to me, even like back then, because that was when. I'm sorry, guys. I don't fuck with basketball anymore. It became uh, a thing of all flair and single-player stars versus teams. Yep. But the 90s was not like that, bro. Well, if you want to bring Singles up, does a lot of basketball shit. If you want to bring up basketball, I didn't have it on my list here, Basketball Diaries. Oh, that, and again, Cap. I mean, that was arguably the only time I've liked Wahlberg in anything because I think he's a fucking putz. Hey, hey, what's going on? <laughs> he's just yeah. that guy. He's that yeah. Boston crackhead. Exactly. Uh, so now we're at the final two movies. I, I specifically kept these to the end. The Beach. I know that's not there, but that's another one, man. Caprio. I go either way on the beach, though. Really? Yeah. Well, that's fair. There's definitely when it came out, I was like, yeah, yeah. I do look back on it, and I'm like, mm. there are scenes in it that are awesome. I love that video yeah, game yeah. scene when he's oh, just yeah, that's a well done scene. Yeah. But I mean, like the scene where the people found his map and they make it there, like that's that is a great scene. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the first movie. Uh-huh. This was the first movie that came to my head when I saw that they put Clueless. Okay. Angus. That is much more of a coming of age movie than Listen, Clueless. We can't tell you too much about Angus because you guys haven't seen it. When we so you need have to, you go to see do, it. yeah, just just find it on one of the platforms. We're sure it's there. It's just charming. It's genuine. It has a fucking awesome '90s soundtrack, right? Like, come on, yeah, no, and, and see, that's what's interesting about iconic and defining for people, you know, because they can be so differentiated, but. Guys, I mean, what do you think about Clueless? Maybe me and Bobby just, it didn't hit us like it hit everyone else. And so... I can't even tell you any songs from the fucking soundtrack. Oh, I can. Because Clueless actually had a decent soundtrack. No, I remember that. That's why I like, can't remember. So, okay, first off, it, that launched the mainstream career of the Mighty Mighty Boston. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. A question. Shrek was like 2001, huh? Yes. Okay. So the last movie, we've already done it. Like Remy said, we've already done a show on it. I'll just come right out and say it. it's Fight Club. Yeah, it is. When they have laid out their descriptions of Generation Y, they're talking about Fight Club mm-hmm. because that's what's portrayed. Like we're in this malaise. We are the middle. In between. We're the middle, middle children, children of, of history. history. Yeah. Uh, our Great Depression is our lives. Yeah. It's our Great too. War is a spiritual, spiritual war. Spiritual war, yeah. And then, you know, at the time, that was a dude who was wrestling with coming out of the closet. So there's a lot of layers to it. But So I guess my, my ultimate takeaway would be, uh, if we were just going to get into like a, a healthy debate with the authors of this, is, okay, you feel clueless is this, we feel Fight Club. Discuss. Yeah. What? what yeah. W- okay, we'll tell you why we think this. Tell us why you think that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm telling you right now, do we know where those writers are from? One... I believe David V. Stewart is from Chicago, but he okay. but he lives in California and he's from Cal and basically he's lived his adult life. Are in they California. all California guys? And I believe Brian Newmeyer and JD Cowan are California. Okay, then that's that tells me everything I need to know. Because that movie was their Beverly Hills High School, that's the no, but really, that's the movie that they most related to. People like me and Bob, it's like, oh, my friends are like dying and we're trying to get weed. It's way more basketball diaries than clueless. Yeah. So I think the movie they pick is representative where they live yeah yeah. so so yeah uh that's our take everybody that was our take on that book 
Again, Jared, thank you very much. There was, there is tons. You and I had the correspondence back and forth. This, there is a lot that I agree with in this book. It doesn't mean I have to agree with everything, but that's what this episode was about. And it's an interesting read. We encourage everybody yeah. to check it out. You know, start a narrative, start a discussion. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to post it, everyone. No worries. So I'm going to post the links to it so you guys can read it. Uh, but as always, I'm, I'm more than willing to take your feedback for it. Yeah. And until you give me that feedback and until the next time we drop off, um, I think that's going to do it for today. Yeah, guys, keep your heads open, your eyes clear, and I always shoot for the stars. Bob, that was a great analysis of the book. Take care, everybody. Hey, we'll hear you the next time. Stay safe, guys. Odyssey podcast. Remy and Bobby Ross discuss. You want me to start about what went on for me this week? Yeah, please. The do. sleep study. He had told me he was getting the study, and I was super intrigued because I've always been a little bit bugged out at the idea of trying to sleep in a lab with wires on me. So the research I looked at it was just focused on life expectancy of people who are considered Gen X and Millennials or Gen Y. Being someone who smokes weed and makes impulsive decisions—that shit is hard for me. Tell me what it means to you. Tell me how health affects the decisions you make. What ways you go out of your way to try to be healthy at this one in your life, and how you view your longevity now versus let's say 25. I'm on this high horse and I'm not even doing I'm, Yeah, you can call me a hypocrite. So getting a handle on that, I think for anyone is first. It's not as easy for some people as all, that is. Yeah, we'd like to actually, you know, I mean, it really hurts our show if like our audience dies young. We want to keep you guys alive as long as possible. That would suck. Yeah. New episodes are released every Tuesday morning. Find the XOP on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, our Facebook page, or YouTube.